Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today's topic is an update on a previous episode. And this episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. As a member, you get unlimited access to the Ask a Contracting Officer forum and hundreds of articles, webinars, and training modules. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely missing opportunities that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with our update to limitations on subcontracting. In episode number 210, we talked about the limitation on subcontracting clause FAR 52.219-14. And that clause says when the government sets a contract aside for a small business set aside, the small business must do a specific portion of the work, such as 51% for service contracts and 15% for construction contracts. In this episode, we're going to demonstrate the pitfalls of doing a podcast. That quotes the FAR. Right. Because just when you think it's clear, a deviation is issued that changes what you talked about. So a month after we talk about a topic and explain it, the rules change just enough to not completely invalidate. The thought is still there, but the application is different. And it's funny, when I got to the pitfalls of doing a podcast, I'm not talking about getting up early on a weekend to record a podcast or staying up late to build content for a podcast or otherwise work this in around the things that we do to actually try to try to earn a living. It's funny. This this is totally unrelated to what we did, just the far changed. And now we have to make sure that the content is close enough that it makes sense. And I'll go back and put something on the earlier episode that says, make sure you listen to this one because it's slightly different now. All right, before we get into all that mess, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Raymond Kari. He's from Sword and Shield Federal. It's an information technology security company in Knoxville, Tennessee. Thanks to Raymond for taking the time to set up a phone call with me because he gave me great feedback on the podcast. And I learned so much on how to, this podcast can get better each week, even if the FAR changes. Just because hearing from Raymond that how we balance the basic and advanced concepts makes it really valuable for him. Thanks, Raymond. All right, let's get back to how the FAR changes. A deviation was issued, and we won't get into all the twists and turns of how a deviation is issued and gets itself into the FAR. But big picture, a deviation is where they've decided we want to make a change, but are not willing to completely update the FAR, which is a even longer and twisty-turny process. So issue a deviation, and it goes right in and changes the way that you apply the language in the FAR. And the way it reads in the FAR is a deviation says, and it's in big blue text, so you can't miss it. Effective immediately, this deviation remains in effect until it is incorporated into the FAR and DFARs or otherwise rescinded. In other words, do this instead is what that blue text says. Right. And years from now, when we actually get through the whole process to update the FAR, then it'll just be a a clause that says this. Okay, so this is deviation 2019-00003. I think that's an O-0003. What is that? Big O-0003. Anyway, deviation three. Let's just go with that. Yeah, so it's shorthand. This deviation introduces a new concept to the clause. 
the concept of the similarly situated entity. And that means a first-tier subcontractor, including an independent contractor, that has the same small business program status as that of the prime contractor for the award, and that is considered small in the same NAICS code as the prime contractor. An example of a similarly situated entity is a first-tier subcontractor that is a HUBZone small business concern for a HUBZone set-aside or sole source award under the HUBZone program. So if you're a HUBZone small business concern and you hire a sub who's a HUBZone small business concern, they are a similarly situated entity. A large business is not similar. A woman-owned small business is not similar. Yeah, in other words, that they, they're just like you. Yep. Also under this deviation, it clarifies that in, in paragraph D, an independent contractor shall be considered a subcontractor. And, and I talked about this in that last episode where there were people who were consultants. They were 1099 consultants. Yeah. And they said, oh, they're not, they're not subcontractors. They're 1099s. That's the same thing. Well, now they've come out and said it. An independent contractor yeah. shall be considered a subcontractor. You can't get around it that way. Let's talk about the difference that this deviation drives into the clause. In the old way, the language said at least 50% of the cost of contract performance incurred for personnel shall be expended for employees of the concern. So if you're a HUBZone small business concern and you win a contract that's set aside like this, at least 50% of, of the labor part of the job has to be performed by your employees. Yeah, your, your, the prime contractor's employees. So that's the old way. The new way inserted by this deviation is interesting. I'm going to read it to demonstrate the value of, of clear writing. Or in this case, the lack of it. Now <laughs> we had to figure it out. Exactly. All right, here we go. The contractor agrees that for services, except construction, it will not pay more than 50% of the amount paid by the government for contract performance to subcontractors that are not similarly situated entities. Any work that a similarly situated entity farther subcontracts will count towards the 50% subcontract amount that cannot be exceeded. Now, if you're listening to me read that, you may still have like you may still have no idea what I just said. There's a double negative in the first sentence and another negative added in the second sentence just for good measure. And when we read this, Kevin, how long did it it took us 15 minutes I think to talk through what does this really mean? Yeah, and it's it has new terms that as a similarly situated it talks about levels that cannot be exceeded. Yeah, it's it it can be spun lots of different ways, but I think we finally landed the plane on it. So they flipped the way that, that the concept is, is communicated. It used to say that at least 50% shall be expended by employees of the concern. So you as the prime have to do at least 50% of the work. Now it flips it to they won't pay more than 50% for entities that are not. So in plain English – if this work is set aside for a hub zone small business concern, you win this thing. You're the prime and you're a hub zone. You can sub to other hub zone small business concerns, and your work and their work can be added together to meet that 50% that is required because they're similarly situated. 
Now, this doesn't flow down to their subcontractors. It doesn't flow to second-tier subcontractors. So if you're a HUBZone small business concern and you hire a HUBZone small business concern as a sub and they sub to a large business, <laughs> that's – no, 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 you can't do that to get around the rules. But also they can't sub to anyone else and have it count to the 50%. So let me zoom out again. So the, the basic difference that, that confuses – and I had this conversation with people. This confuses people. It used to be – you have to do 50% of the work. Simple concept. Now it's you can't subcontract out more than 50% to companies that don't look like you. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a negative way of looking at it. Uh, but when you unravel it, basically what it means is if you are this type of company, anybody you sub to who looks like you counts toward the 50% that we'll, we'll consider that the prime 50% as opposed to the subcontracted 50%. And that's – this is going to, this is why it's a deviation. I think it's probably going to get tweaked some more. It's, there's lots of questions about it. But it fundamentally changes how it used to be the prime. The prime small business had to do 50%. And now it's saying you just can't subcontract out more than 50% to companies who aren't like you. In yeah. other words, it can be more than one prime. That's a huge change. Yeah, I think it's a game changing situation. This deviation also flows into the economically disadvantaged categories, the socioeconomic small business groups. So it's not just 219-14, it's also 219-3, which is about hub zones, 52-219-29, which is economically disadvantaged women-owned small businesses, 52-219-27, which is service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses. That's a lot of numbers and, and words there. You have covered far time for today. <laughs> Getting back to plain English, they flowed the similarly situated piece to the women-owned hub zone and veteran-owned type small businesses. Although it's ironic to say plain language and then say similarly situated because that's just like the worst way to say that. Yeah. Similarly situated, just say companies like you who are also veteran-owned small business. Or women right. right, and I can barely pronounce similarly situated. I have to really slow down and think about it. All right, if you're a contracting officer, you are responsible for confirming the status of these small businesses. Don't forget that. And it's still challengeable. There's still clauses that allow people to challenge the small business status. I mean, that's a, there's a separate clause, about, or there's a separate episode about that. The idea is that this is, these are set asides that they're trying to make them more functional on how they're actually executed as contracts. But you still got to know is this actually a women owned small business that's owned, for example, by one or more women? Right. And, and, Owned and operated and, and managed, not just you know a shell company. Okay, when is this happening in the acquisition and execution time zones? When it's originally set aside in the acquisition time zones, in like market research zone, this is this is where you're checking to see if there are service disabled veteran owned small businesses that can perform this work. It matters in the RP zone when they actually release an RFP. Got to pay attention. Can you even bid on this? Are you eligible? And it's in the source selection zone where they're they're verifying, hey, before we award, does this company actually qualify for the set aside that we're awarding under? And, and the key factor in here in the RFP zone, remember the old days, a couple months ago, it was one small business that could do it. Now, as a, in, during the RFP zone, when you're the company that's bidding, it can be more than one small business. Yep. Fundamental change to how your proposal is written, how your team's put together. I mean, that's a, it's a big change. It is. This also rolls into the execution time zones in the performance zone where if you add subs along the way or if there's 
an engineering change proposal that adds work to the contract, you still have to make sure that you're meeting that 50% with you or similarly situated businesses. Moving on, why is this so important? Like you just said, this is a big change. It's, this opens up more work to more small business set-asides. Whereas before, the government had to look, are there small businesses out there that could compete and perform 51% of the work each? Now, you can take an acquisition and say, hey, there's several HUBZone small business concerns that could combine together, one prime and a couple of subs, to perform this work. Therefore, it can be set aside for HUBZone small business Mm -hmm. concerns. That wouldn't have happened before. And it could even be a direct award because remember, some of these these have specific direct award situations yeah. or sole source. It, it changes the calculus on how how the acquisition strategy can be put together. And, and this is one of the reasons the FAR is so big. Is you know e- each action creates a potential need for a new rule and new understanding, and and the nuances of each one of these set aside types can can give you a headache. So if you're a large business or a larger small business that was making gravy off the the way the rules were, this change could really affect you. More work could be set aside that doesn't favor you. If you you were a larger small business where you're big enough to do 50% of of the work or more, now a bunch of your very, very small competitors could band together and compete against you. And your point of them banding together, that opens up opportunities that may not have been available to those micro small businesses. They could, they could physically only do 25% of the work, but guess what? They team up with another veteran owned business and all of a sudden they combined can do 60%. That that's a new opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for small, for particularly micro small businesses. Specifically on the government side, why does the government care about this kind of change? These clauses were added to make sure that the contractors aren't skirting the rules and they keep refining what those rules are. So, but contractors can challenge this. They can challenge whether or not those companies are small business, whether combined they can do the 50% of the work. Some of the clarity that came out in this clause can be a deal killer because before that independent contractor, that was kind of a judgment call of whether or not that's a subcontracted out person. Well, now it clearly is. And if they're not similarly situated, in other words, they're not a veteran owned, they're not veterans like you, they don't have their own company. They're considered part of that 50% you're subcontracting out. And if it goes over 50%, the government has to track that. There needs to be a clearly defined amount of work. In fact, slight aside, as a contracting officer, I would have somebody give me a table in your proposal that tells me how you met this clause. I don't have to do it, but that'd be me. This is one of the reasons why it's very difficult to be a contracting officer for the federal government because you've been – tooling along for however many years and you know exactly what the rules are. This is your area of expertise. And a deviation comes out that changes them overnight. And if you're in a big agency, you might have people that closely track changes to the FAR and make sure everyone's paying attention. If you don't have the luxury of working in a very large government office with all those people, you have to pay attention to all this stuff on your own and it's really easy to miss some of these changes. And that's exactly why Shelly Hall, from our, for our team, she does the This Week in Government Contracting. It's an email she sends out every week. And this topic was one of the big ones the week that it came out because she's watching this stuff. And that's what got me to do the podcast about it is I realized most people aren't aware of how big of a change that's deviation, which changed like what, 
a paragraph in this clause, it fundamentally changes how it operates. And that's a great example of why industry cares. I was just talking about how if you're a contracting officer that works for a large agency, there could be a staff or at least some people in a policy shop that are paying attention to this and pointing it out to you. If you're on the industry side, especially in the small business world, you have to figure all this stuff out yourself unless you have a, a Shelly, unless you have Skyway to, to, to feed these rules to you. This clause in particular, it's a huge opportunity for, for businesses to win more work. Yeah. If, if you're not specialized in this one piece, but you know another small business like you that is, it, it changes how competitive you are. Yeah, I agree. This is, this is a big one. This actually makes it easier for the smallest of small businesses to win set-aside work. And like you said earlier, in your proposal, it would be very useful for you to put a little table or something that shows, hey, here are the HUBZone small business concerns that added together are going to perform more than 50% of the work. Make it plain for them. Don't make them guess. <laughs> so if you're looking at your watch and trying to figure out whether or not we'll bring this one in under 20 minutes or under a half hour, let's take away the guessing and wrap it up here. Uh, from the government side... Set aside giveth and set aside taketh away. And so it is, it, it, this is a significant change. I mean, small business set asides, they're unique to government contracting, well, relatively. Make sure you're threading the needle with the right percentages and that the RFP clearly explains. And, and maybe you highlight this clause and say, this is a change. In case you didn't read the deviation, this is a change. And then on the industry side, be able to count what's similarly situated. There's similarly situated subcontractors. They go toward the total. It's going to make it easier for you to meet the requirements, and particularly for really small businesses. Showing the government that you're aware of this, this clause change is going to make things easier. It's going to speed up the process of evaluation because they don't have to guess. That is a pretty good summation. I will wrap it up by reminding people that this is only part of the story. Go back, listen to episode 210 if you haven't listened to that yet. And we sum up some of the issues and problems that come about because of, of the, the rule set that's been put in place by the limitation of subcontracting clause in general. And that will give you more context for why this deviation changes how, how you do the math, but not the impacts of the actual limitation. Clear as mud. Clear as mud. It's <laughs> like right. government contracting. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. If you'd like to receive Skyway's This Week in Government Contracting updates, visit skywaymember.com to learn more. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. This deviation introduces a new concept to the clause. And the concept is a similar the concept is a similarly ugh. <laughs> an example of a similar an example of a similarly situ, that's really hard to say.